Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Verse 11. There's nothing wrong with supporting ministry, but when ministry becomes a scheme for gain, personal gain, something like this. You give to my ministry right now. Somebody out there is supposed to give $2,000 to my ministry. And when you do, the Lord spoke to me, God's going to put your, college, your kid through college at no cost to you. The money's just going to come in. Now, how many of you, doing a quick calculation, I have three boys, college age, $2,000 for four years of a university education? Praise the Lord. Where do I sign? Right? A fraction of the cost. This is great. Well, we were doing a radio program one night. We had a panel of pastors on KKLA. An older gentleman calls in. He heard us talking about some of these matters. And he said, he goes, I'm really troubled. He said, what's going on? He goes, I've been giving thousands of dollars to this ministry and they've been making promises to me. One of the pastors said, how much, sir, have you given? He goes, I'm on a, I'm on a fixed income and you know, I'm an older gentleman and I've got, you know, things are tight, but this, this minister was making promises and saying that this would happen for my grandchild and I've given him $10,000 in the last couple of years. It was obvious that this guy could not afford it. One of the pastors asked him next, has any of the promises that the guy made to you come to pass? The answer, no, not one. Now let me ask you this question. What do you think the Lord of glory is going to say to that pastor on the day of judgment? Who put an older gentleman in a tough spot for the sake of his new tie or his hotel room or his shiny new car? See, that is what's going on. The motive is here. It's in the scripture. What they do is for their gain. They do it for the sake of sordid gain. The New King James actually calls it filthy lucre. They are, they are uh, personally getting the bennies of what they sell to the people. And look, a prosperity message sells. A give-to-get scheme, if I, can, if I give a certain amount and you tell me I'm going to get more back, that appeals to the worst in us, doesn't it? Because, look, I want to give for the glory of the Lord, and if He blesses me you know, materially, there, there are principles in Scripture. If you sow sparingly, sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. We know we're supposed to give sacrificially. We know that the Lord will take care of all of our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But if my motive is I give to get something, I give for my own personal gain, then what I've done is I've become God now. Instead of him being God, and I do what I do for his glory, I give only so that he'll give me the bennies that I want, the frosting on the cake, you name it. This is sold all over the world. It's permeating not only in the United States, but there are third world countries now imbibing this doctrine. And they're told by some people, you just got to speak to your wallet and it'll be filled with money. I've been trying that for years. I just got to talk to it? Just speak to your wallet. Oh, you big fat wallet, right? But what's happening to me personally is just the opposite. Every time one of my children come up to me, my wallet doesn't get fatter. Can I get a witness? It gets thinner. Where are you going now? And what's it going to cost me, right? This sounds good, but this is repackaged New Age philosophy. A book was flying off the shelves. You've probably heard of it. It's called The Secret. 
It was promoted on Oprah's show. And here's what it is. You just speak to the universe and it gives you back. Well, who is this universe, first of all, that I'm speaking to? Mr. Mr. Universe. And they would say things like this. If you speak the right words into the universe, you can eat that cake and you won't gain weight. <laughs> this is the secret. I don't know if you knew it. I'm telling you now. So you get over your chocolate cake and you say something like this, Mr. Universe, chocolate cake not going to go to my hips, right? Yeah, we're in, a, we're in agreement here, right? Okay, good. Sorry. When I get on the scale the next day, the truth does not <laughs> verify what I've been taught, right? In the secret. Usually, if I eat something, my weight is directly proportionate to my intake. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, Pastor Michael, you look like maybe you dropped a few pounds. I said, yeah. I said, I've realized something. There's a direct parallel between the calories I take in and the weight that shows up on the scale. It's a great mystery. Just starting after 50 plus years of life to figure this out. And so all these promises are made, but it's for their gain and not yours. Look at verse 12. Paul says, one of themselves, remember he's dealing with people on this island of Crete, a prophet of their own. I don't think he was a prophet of God, but he was a prophet in the sense that he spoke on behalf of the people. He was seen as some sort of divine man or some sort of weird title. He said of the Cretans, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. How do you like that? Titus 1.12, Paul quotes a man named Epimenides. He was a author in 600 BC, church fathers like Clement of Alexandria, Jerome, Chrysostom, Augustine, I all identified the author as a Cretan teacher named Epimenides of Gnosis. And he, he was also quoted by the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 when Paul's in Athens. And he said, we are his offspring as some of your own poets have said. Well, in one sense, this guy was a prophet for the Cretans. But what he said about the Cretans wasn't too uh, complimentary. He said, Cretans, look at verse 12, are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Came out as I did a little bit more research that this man, Epimenides, wrote the song, Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be Cretans. <laughs> Why'd you guys think that was funny? <laughs> Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be Cretans. They're lazy gluttons and evil beasts. <laughs> Uh, you might need a little levity at this point. No, it wasn't a song from back in the day. But it is not a very complimentary thing that's said here, right? And apparently this was the reputation that people on the island of Crete had gotten. They were liars, evil beasts, and they're a bunch of lazy people. You say, why would the Apostle Paul in the New Testament quote some dude from 600 B.C.? Because Paul was saying basically... What the false teachers do because they're a pack of liars and they do what they do for the sake of sordid gain because apparently they don't want to work. What's true about the region is true of these teachers. Paul does confirm this when he says, this testimony, verse 13, is true. Ouch, Paul. Does he, does he mean that all the Cretans are this way? No, I don't think he's saying that. He's already told Titus to put elders in the churches and describe these godly men. Paul, Paul's not saying, I don't believe in the power of transformation, but I think this is what he's saying. I think he's saying that often where churches exist, 
and false teachers arise, they start to embrace what the culture looks like and teach it in the church. Everybody with me? Oftentimes, instead of the church transforming the culture, the culture transforms the church. Example, a lot of you have studied Revelation 2 and 3. You know, oftentimes when Jesus assesses a church, what's going on in that church often mirrors what's happening in the region where that church is. And so Paul says it's true. This is the reputation of this area, and the false teachers embrace this reputation and prove it. And so Paul says because this is true, and some writers think that this is a little wry humor on Paul's part, these teachers need to be reproved. It says reprove them severely, verse 13, that they may be what? Sound in the faith. Whenever you see the idea of a reproof, whether it's behavioral or doctrinal, the hope is that the reproof would bring, very important, restoration. If someone's teaching is off and someone makes an appeal and says, look, man, you're compromising sound Christian doctrine. Don't do that anymore. Some of you know the story of the Worldwide Church of God, Herbert W. Armstrong. There were a lot of false teachings that he promulgated over the airwaves for many years. He passed away. And a segment of the Worldwide Church of God became orthodox because the CRI, the Christian Research Institute, was appealing to them and meeting with them, and a portion of their people got in line with the Orthodox Christian faith. Praise God! Amen? They were open to dialogue. They saw the error of their ways. They measured it against Scripture, and some of them repented and got on an Orthodox track. That, I think, is the heart of verse 13. By the way, whenever we would reprove anybody, our heart is always restoration. It's that someone would get back to the place where there's good teaching going on, healthy teaching going on, so that people can benefit in the right way. And you might ask, well, what kinds of things were these guys teaching, Pastor Michael? We find in verse 14, they were teaching Jewish myths and commandments of men, and they were by virtue of this turning away from the truth. Jewish myths, what are those? Well, we don't know all the details, but we see a little bit more information if you turn just a few pages back to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. Paul gives a charge to Timothy to preach the word in season and out of season. He tells them, 2 Timothy 4, 2, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound, that's the word healthy again there, 2 Timothy 4, 3, doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, or they will raise up teachers who tell them what they want to hear. Captured in a song by Fleetwood Mac, Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. I have a little itch right here. Would you, can you scratch that? Oh, yeah. Down a little bit. To the right. When my wife's scratching my back, I, I'll say, to the right. And she'll go, I'll say, you're on the right. Just to mess with her a little bit. Anyway. <laughs> go ahead. I, I'm a little itchy right here. Tell, go ahead. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what I wanted to hear. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. You got the spot. Right there. But if you tell them something that maybe didn't scratch an itch, maybe hurt a little bit, oh, you wouldn't believe what I heard today. There was a lady, she was talking to a friend of mine. They were talking about churches, and she said she attended a church in the city. And he said, well, I attend this church, and here's the style of the church. They teach through the Word of God, verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept. And uh, we get into the Bible sometimes for 45 minutes to an hour. And the lady went, what? I don't want to go to church and listen to the Bible for an hour. 
Well, what did you want to do then? Look, there's a place to be an effective communicator and share stories that help illustrate the point. But if I don't teach you the Bible, I don't know what I'm going to tell you, folks. I'm not that interesting of a person. Hey, folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Living Truth Radio, and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. We find out from 1 Timothy 6, which is something, something that you could write down, that they were into all these genealogies and family trees and, and myths and mysteries. And they would say to people, oh, I don't know if you know, but you got to have this knowledge to really end up at the best place in heaven. And let's study this family tree for a second. Now, how many of you have tried to read genealogies in the Old Testament? You're like, Lord, help <laughs> Son of who and who and who and... Well, they would get into these genealogies and they'd say, you see, there's a link right here in the family tree and if you could link to that, then you would be in the secret knowledge and you would... And you're like, what? No, 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 no. The gospel is very plain. Usually when you read your Bible, it's not that you don't understand. It's not the things in the Bible I don't understand that trouble me. It's the things in the Bible I do understand that trouble me. Amen? And so they would get into all this stuff, and here's one thing they were doing, 1 Timothy 4. Turn over there, 1 Timothy 4. They were saying things like this. And this may surprise some of you, but these are actually doctrines that are demonic. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit explicitly says in the latter times some will fall away from the faith. The faith is the true faith, the gospel of Jesus, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, 1 Timothy 4.3, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. So these men were, they had people in their group and they would say something like this, oh, you can't get married. What do you mean I can't get married? They would start to advocate doctrines that were the exact opposite, I have wholehearted agreement, <laughs> of what God teaches. Think about it. They were saying to people, you can't get married. Wait a minute, I thought marriage was from God. I thought God said, a man, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two should become what? One flesh. I thought marriage was a picture of Christ and his church. If you have people who are taking teaching platforms and telling you not to do things that God says you should do, exit stage left, run to the nearest exit, do not pass go, do not collect your $200. Don't, what do you mean don't get married? Now, there's a gift of singleness, no doubt, but a small percentage have that gift. For most people, you're going to get married, and you should get married. Marriage is a good thing. And they'd say, no. Scientology is being exposed on the A&E channel. 
So people within the C organization, this is the, their comp compound in Hemet, are sharing their stories. Some of you have driven by this compound before. It's all fenced up and stuff. And they said, yeah, I was in the C organization. This is their top brass. Sir, they, by the way, they signed a billion-year contract to serve Scientology for a billion years. That's a tough contract, right? <laughs> we ask you to teach Sunday school, people are like, I don't know. <laughs> billion-year contracts, people. Right? So they say they're, they're working 12 to 14, 16-hour days. They can't even see the person that they've married. And if they have a chance to actually be with their spouse and the wife gets pregnant, they force them to get an abortion because they don't want that child to be in the way of their service of the organization. And so women are coming out of Scientology saying, I was forced to have an abortion because they told me that child would be in the way of me giving everything I am to the organization. What in the world is going on? And all of a sudden, they start creating this tension in people. And, and instead of being free in Christ, it's, it's law, 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 no, no, no. And it's pressure, pressure, pressure. And I'll tell you what, there's some people who are telling stories. They were trying to escape the compound and being chased down by guards, forcing them to go back in. Christ said, I will make you free. Right? Freedom is what Jesus wants us to experience. Now look. There are things as a Christian you should do and not do, but it's because you're driven by the grace of God. They don't merit your favor before God or your disfavor. Jesus said, it is not what goes into a person that defiles a person. It's what comes out of a person that defiles a person. So this language that they, they tell you to abstain from foods blessed by God, the Greek here is double-double. Okay, so go ahead and write that down. No, don't write that down. It's it's actually not true. <laughs> but look, if, if you and I had lunch together, let's turn back to Titus, and I'm going to ruin some of your lunches right now. But let's say, you know, we have a group in a foreign country. Let's say they served us a dish where things were moving on the platter. Okay? This does not thrill me. <laughs> I don't even like sushi, right? <laughs> but anyway, so, but let's say you're, you're hungry and whatever, and you, and you fork that thing, right? And you and you eat it, the legs are still sticking out of your lip. Right? Would that defile Pastor Michael? The answer is no. I might need a breath mint, but I might not. I'm not, not, might not. I'm not defiled. Why? Because I am clean before God, not by what goes into my body, but who lives in me now. I am saved by grace. Foods and drinks and clothing have nothing to do with my salvation. Look at verse 15 and we'll finish it up. To the pure, Titus 1.15, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, notice they are unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They live in a world of uncertainty and claim to be believers. Here's an example. Some years ago, a 35-year Jehovah's Witness came to my door. We began to debate a little bit, and I said to him, Sir, if you died tonight, and by the way, an, an actor named Bill Paxton, some of you know that name, he was in, uh, uh, what was it, Tombstone and other movies in his early 60s, just died in surgery. So I'm not talking about stuff that, you know, isn't a big deal. We go on with our lives, but you know what? People are dying every day. Here's the point. 
So I, I asked this Jehovah's Witness, I said, you've been in this organization 35 years, you've, you've, you have knocked on countless doors. If you died tonight, would you be in heaven? He said, no. I said, why not? Oh, only a certain number, only the 144,000 get to go to heaven. I, I'm hoping that after my soul sleep for however long, I will be resurrected. I'm hoping I'm going to make it. And I heard him say, I hope, I hope, I hope I've done enough. And I said, well, what if you've done some bad things? Then I hope that I'll be, fr- I hope I can make it up. I, uh, in fact, he was at my door trying to make things up. Here's what I mean. He goes door to door because if he can get another checklist on his, on his list of things that he did for the kingdom, then hopefully that'll outweigh bad things that he did that he may not even know about. And he's at your door, not so much that you would be convinced, but he's pressured to be there so he can do enough good things to make it to the resurrection. Oh my goodness. Now he was standing there, having been a Jehovah's Witness for 35 years, and there was a person next to him that's his little trainee, and I hope that the little trainee was listening. Because here you're doing all this stuff. And you don't know what makes you clean. The one that makes you clean is, is Christ. What I do is a byproduct of the grace of God. Why I share the gospel is because I've been saved gloriously. Why I show up at church is because I want to be with God's people. And so, he says, they profess to know God. The Greek has the idea of a public claim to intimacy with God, but by their deeds they deny him. And notice what has happened to them. They have become detestable. This is God's attitude towards, by the way, idolatry and disobedient. And they are worthless or unfit for any good deed. So here they have preached a false gospel and they have become detestable in God's eyes. And they go land and sea. This is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You go land and sea to make a convert of one person and you make him twice the child of hell as you are. Ouch. Jesus said that? Yes. Because Jesus, on the cross, said these words, and we got to hear it over and over. It is finished. Paid in full. You can't add to it, folks. It's done. It's over. I'm a forgiven man. I hope that even makes you dance sometimes. Forgiven. Yeah. Right? And what I do, what we do now, we do out of gratitude. For all God has done for us. I don't know if I share this at first uh, at this service, but um, I'm going to ask uh, Chris if you guys can come on up. Um, did I share the story about the woman who was set free from the book, by the Book of Romans? I don't think I did. Okay. So uh, we're, we had a going away little gathering for a, a gal, a sweet uh, lady of Christ, woman of Christ that was moving out of state, and she was involved with our evangelism team. And she, she wanted to share something with me before she moved. And she said, Pastor Michael, uh, I want you to know something that I was set free as you taught the book of Romans at our old location. And I said, explain what you mean. She said, well, you know, as you taught that book, as the word of God went out and I realized more and more my identity in Christ, the yoke of bondage, the performance orientation that I had sometimes been exposed to was lifted off of my shoulders and I realized for the first time, that I'm free in Christ. The book of Romans and your teaching of it set me free. Tell you what, folks, stuff like that makes me want to just cry. Because that's why Jesus came. If the Son makes you free, you will be what? Free indeed. What we do, we don't do to get salvation. We do it because we are saved. 
And we are called to godliness, there's no doubt. We are called to be sensitive in situations. Romans 14 tells us, if, look, if a brother or sister has an issue with wine or, or meat or anything else that may stumble them, then they're more important to me than any of those things. You don't use your freedom ever as a license for sin, but you realize that you're free in Christ. And what makes you clean is the blood of Jesus and His finished work on the cross. You're going to heaven if you're a Christian. Not based on your performance, but based on the one that you have come to know and trust. All right? And if you don't know that truth, and maybe I've been speaking to you, and you've, you were reared in a place of legalism, and you've carried that weight for your whole life, can I just tell you to get rid of it? Let Jesus take it off of your back. Trust in Him and Him alone for your salvation. Do what you do out of gratitude. Do what you do by the power of the Holy Spirit because you have a surrendered life. We're in the 500th year of the uh, anniversary of the Reformation, mm -hmm. uh, October 31st, uh, 1517. It goes back to that date. And what was that about? That, was, that Reformation was about getting back to the truth of the Bible, yes. not to man's truth, not to man's hierarchical structure or whatever else he wants to add, but letting the Bible be the final authority, sola scriptura. And so this, this is what this is talking about, because there are some people, literally, Paul says, that need to be silenced. They need not to have a platform anymore. They need to be shut down because what they are producing is unhealthy. It is counterproductive. In fact, it is dangerous to the sheep. And this is something in our modern age, you and I talk about it a lot, but it's, it's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, that there are people who have platforms and they are preaching false doctrine and preaching a false gospel. And in the end, it is counterproductive. And even some people are being shipwrecked in their faith. And yes. so this is... This is part of that that drive in this opening chapter for a pastor to know, yes, the normal main thing that you do, your character, your consistent teaching of the Word of God, but then you have to be aware and be able to refute those who preach false doctrine. So here's an example, Oscar. And this is, I'm, I'm not trying to demean anybody here, but I got a text earlier today and uh, someone who's connected to this fellowship said, I have a friend who's going to meet with Mormon missionaries tomorrow or in, in the next few days. What would you recommend? You know, what scriptures would you recommend that they focus on? Well, you know, I could sit with this person for the next couple of hours and talk about that. Why? Because I've looked at this subject matter. And if you're a Mormon right now and you're listening to this program, I'm not trying to put you down. But, but all I'm saying is the doctrine of the Latter-day Saint Church from Joseph Smith and Brigham Young has issues. And it contradicts the scripture. So now we have to ask the question, are we going to go with the Bible or what Joseph Smith said? We're going to go with the Bible or what Brigham Young said or any other of the presidents. And, mm -hmm. and this is where we, we use the Bible as the final um, authority and use it to guide people into the truth or refute those who contradict the gospel. And that would include those who say you're saved by works or that, you know, Jesus, they redefine Jesus. These are the essential things that a pastor has to be prepared to refute uh, false doctrine. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.